Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how much of Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips, you going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean. So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. We're live for day 14 of August full of TJ. I am TJ Mercer. On most days, I'm known as the walking exclamation point, uh, as well as the chief noisemaker. Hey, Miss Rochelle, as well as the chief noisemaker of Media Mavericks Academy, which means <sighs> I'm a beast at what I do in the space of media because I teach authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. I spent 25 years working in Hollywood, but I reside now in Atlanta and during this season for the month of August, Oh, thanks, Patrice. Thanks, everybody, for sharing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, for the month of August, Camille says, I knew this month would fly by. Let me uh, put our topic uh, up there. I didn't. There we go. Uh, for the month of August, God assigned me to you, to you, to you. And uh, I go live every day simply because if you say so, he told me to. And we've been here every day at 8.15 Eastern, uh, because the assignment was where our, our uh, anchor scripture comes out of is Exodus 19.3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, these seven words teach, this is what you are to say. That's where God stopped me, but I'll read it for just context. To the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. So I think around day two or three, I still don't remember what day it was. We decided, well, God, you know, we, God decided pretty much. Uh, that's what, what, what we're going to be doing. Teach, this is what you are to say. And every day he's giving me something to say. He don't give it to me early. He gives it to me on the day of. And uh, day four, somewhere along there, I don't know, day three or four, 
he told us, not only teach, are you going to get my babies out of Egypt and letting them hook their trains to your caboose so y'all can choo choo your way on out of Egypt. And Egypt can be anything in your life that has you bound, that you have been there for years and it's time for you to get your butt up out of there. And where he's pulling us is out of Egypt and he's awakening the Peters in us. So every day, I think it's been every day. I can't remember what I talked about. What was the, the anchor scripture for day one? But every day we've been in Peter. And I'm ten, I am I think two weeks in, I'm thinking we're going to stay in Peter for the whole month of, of August because he keeps showing me stuff to share with y'all just like today. So what's interesting, and I realized what I, one thing that I do, even when I write my books is even in, in the books, I kind of weave you through the process of the book because I'm always wanting to make sure that people can look at me as an example to to pull from. And I realized that even during this, like I think what, what my my 40 days to 40 book, I take you through the journey, even is woven into the book as to what was happening when I was writing the book. And then my my um my third book, The Six Figure Battered Wife, I took you on a journey that I wrote it, you know, during my 25th class reunion while we were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean cruising. I had to step away and I think like I would pull all nighters writing this book because that's where God wanted me to do it. And so this is no different. I've, I've been careful to make sure that I take you, for lack of a better word, behind the scenes of how we arrive here. Because I have a good feeling that somebody is going to come up on their version of this and they're going to have to trust God. So today in my closet, which is where I spend the bulk of my days now, who would have thought it? Um, it was a deeper study than normal. Like I was going in like God gave me, I got four different lists going and I'm going, okay, God, what are we talking about though? And it's, and I'm thinking you know, he had given me what we were going to talk about today. And then I hit what's going to be our first scripture and something went off in my spirit. I was like, and this was by three o'clock. So I had been in the closet since nine. So at three o'clock, he hits me with, oh, no, no, see everything else. I I'm, I'm connecting dots. And, 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 and I've said that like every day I have to go to him. What are we doing today? It's not like he's given me an outline. There's been no outline. I'm just having to trust that this is all connecting and landing for y'all as we go on this journey together. And so um, I, I have, you know, a list for this, a list for that. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to talk about this. But then I honed in like, okay, so this is what he wants me to talk about. And then at three o'clock, I hit this scripture and the alarm went off in my spirit. Like, no, 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 no. So all of that other stuff is, I guess, for later. I guess he going to connect that later. And, you know, there have been times I'm like, but I want to talk about this. No, 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 no. No, because you're going to fail if you try to talk about that. That's coming later. But I saw this. What about this? No, 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 no. Don't get ahead of me, baby. Stay with me. Stay with me. You you rocked with me solid for all of these days. Don't don't try to go and freestyle on your own. So I had to step back and look and it just boom, it just became clear. Like, oh. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. So that's how we arrived at three o'clock this afternoon uh, at 
how to have the character, how to have strong character like Peter. Let's go. I saw, uh, so nobody wanted to volunteer to be my reader tonight? All right. So our flow is going to be a little different. We're going to walk down the six traits of strong character like Peter. And I'm going to give them to you as we go along. Usually I give it to you at the end. But I think for this, it's crucial that we walk it down together trait by trait so you can see it. So first up. Matthew 17, 24 through 27. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax, I'm, is it the drachma, drachma, y'all just go with it. Uh, collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house though, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes from their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to them, but so that we may not cause offense. Okay, so let's go back. So what is happening here? It took me a minute to really kind of comprehend. I had to really research what's going on. So when Jesus is asking, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? from their own children or from others. And Peter answers from others. What essentially Jesus is, is getting Peter to realize, I am the, the, I'm the king myself. The temple belongs to me, but they're coming to ask me to pay the temple tax. So really, do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes from their own children, from others, from others? Why is Jesus, why are they worried about Jesus paying the temple tax when he's the king of the temple? So then this is why uh, Jesus' answers, then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him, but so that we may not cause offense, but so that we may not ruffle some feathers, but so that we may not um, uh, prematurely expose ourselves to ridicule, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Jesus is covering Peter again. He's covering Peter. And, and notice that in this, in this verse 27, we've got specific instructions. Jesus is giving specific instructions again. I love when Jesus gets, gives specific instructions. He told him where to go, go to the lake, throw out your line what to do. Take the first fish. You ain't even gotta be there long, Peter. Just grab the first fish. Then I need you to open his mouth and right there, you ain't even really gotta work for it. You just gotta do be in your element. I'm not even sending you to do something you've never done before. It's covered. And not only am I covering you, if I'm covering my own temple tax that I gotta pay, where they do that at? But I'm covering you too. Done. Now, Here's what stood out to me. Hey, Talena, here's what stood out to me when I read this scripture. Not necessarily the scripture itself, but the fact that we don't know what happened. I went and looked to make sure that there was no continuation of the story. Kind of like, you remember how um, we, we've covered the fact that Matthew, Mark, and Luke cover certain aspects, but then we go to John, and John is like, no, that wasn't the end of the story. Let me tell you what had happened. None of that. And I found that curious 
for the simple reason, there is no reason not to believe that A, Peter didn't do what he was told because Peter has shown how he get down and B, that it didn't go down like Jesus said it would. The reputation is intact. By now, we've seen some stuff. We've seen a peek into Jesus' character and we've seen a peek into Peter's character. So we automatically assume, you know, we don't have to go figure out. So what happened, Peter? Did Peter go do it? We've already seen how Peter gets down, which means that leads us to the S of strong, of how to have strong character. Peter's character was solid. Your committed consistency is consistently counted on like clockwork. There was no reason to follow up on this story. We've seen what Jesus can do. We've seen what Peter can do. Hey, my friend, we've seen what Peter can do. We didn't need to know the rest. We know how Peter and Jesus gets down. We know that as soon as Peter grabbed that one fish, pulled it out, opened it, there was not one but two coins to cover the tax. So the S is your committed consistency. Peter was committed, committed to being solid. It's consistently counted on, which means we ain't got to go looking in scripture for the rest of this story to know how it, it played out. It's counted on like clockwork. Scripture two, Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Like, yo, I'm, I'm being generous. Like, up to seven times? It didn't say at least seven times. Like, up to? Like, if I want to stop at four, I can stop at four. Jesus answered, <laughs> I tell you not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. And I just imagine if it was me, I'd be sitting there just like, wait, wait, what? Jesus, how we how we how we gonna jump from seven to seventy-seven? Like how how we get there? And the fact that Peter even asked the question showed insight into his character. Go over to uh, Matthew 19, 16 through 30. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one. Who is good? If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. 18. Well, which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Bet. All these I've kept, the young man said. So what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, uh -oh. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then go do all of that. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, 
all things are possible. Now, Peter is sitting here listening to all this. And again, I'm putting myself in the position of Peter and I would be like, wait, huh? What? So Peter goes, yo, uh, Jesus. Mm, uh, so are, uh, we left everything to follow you. What's in it for us? Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, who you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So let's go back to Peter at 27, though. Peter answered him. It's Peter. Peter answered him. Well, Jesus didn't ask no question. I, I don't see where Jesus asked a question. Go back and look up. You see a question mark where Jesus was asking anything? Jesus didn't ask. But in Peter's mind, like, hold up, hold up. Um, hmm. So I left my wife because we know Peter's married. I left my wife. Yeah, I don't know if he had kids, but uh, I left my boats. Remember, I just kind of walked off. Like you, you did that fish thing, you know, where you reverse the laws of nature and we caught all those fish and I just bounced and I, I just left everything. How am I going to come up? And so that brought me to the T of strong character. Peter was transparent. You didn't have to guess what with Peter. Peter was bold enough to ask the questions, even though scriptures that he answered, but Jesus asked them, but Peter clearly, um, what's in it for me? What's in it? You know what? It's not just me though, but I'm, I'm looking out for the boys too. What's, what's in it for my boys? Your authenticity comes through and resonates because you're comfortable in your own skin. Peter was comfortable in his own skin to ask the questions like that. Um, so I thought I was doing good with forgiving folks seven times. I'm, I'm thinking I'm pretty awesome doing that. But now you're going to hit me with 77 times. Oh, oh, okay. Didn't see that coming. That was a bold enough question. And then behind that, uh, so what's, what's in it for me? And y'all know, if y'all had heard Peter, Jesus talking about you got to give up all your possessions, and you got to bounce to follow him. Y'all know y'all be asking the same question. Like, yo, uh, having second thoughts on, like, was this the right decision? Like, I left my boating company, my fishing company. So Peter wanted to know some things. He wanted to know. Peter is that dude that will ask the questions that everybody else is thinking, but is concerned about how they're being viewed. And so they won't be bold enough and ask. That's who Peter is, but he transparent with it. That's some strong character. When you are so comfortable in who you are, that no question is stupid or dumb. And I remember, I don't know, Patrice is here. Patrice will back me up on this. When I first started going to the church that Patrice and I met at in LA, Covenant Blessing, I was in a place of really struggling. It was when God really was dealing with my life and I was turning a corner from being just that Christian in name versus that Christian in walk. And it was when God was really working on me, making that first turn. And so I would be in Bible study and I was the girl that my hands stayed up because God was dealing with me and I needed answers. And I was so transparent about what I was going through that I would monopolize Bible study. I didn't care because I was so hungry for the answers of where I was in my journey. 
And so when I'm hearing Peter going, how many times I got to forgive? Because I'm dealing with some folks and they on my, they get about to get on my last nerve. So they battle number five. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I can, I can quit at seven. So he asked, and that was so me during Bible study. I would ask questions like that. Dolly says, oh, wow, I've gone to covenant blessings. I've have, I have family there. Yep. That's my dude. Donald Bell is my forever pastor. Patrice says she did and she didn't care one bit. I did not. Because when you that hungry for change and when you that hungry for God to do something in your life and you know you're on the on, on you're at a crossroads, it doesn't matter. So and then but what would happen, what would happen is that people would come behind me and be glad that I asked because they were thinking the same darn thing. Patrice says, and Pastor Bell loved it. Yes, he did. That man was so patient. I believe God whispered in his ear ahead of time about me because he knew where I was headed. To this day, if I text that dude, he coming. That's my dude because of how he handled me. Just like Jesus handled Peter's questions. But Peter had to be transparent enough to show his struggle. Peter had questions about the, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the reward, but the cost. That's what it is. But the cost of what he had signed up for. Everybody else was just sitting there probably processing that. Think about what Jesus just said. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. They trying to process that. Some of them have money and then they're going to throw something about it's easier. Then they're going to throw at them. Um, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. They trying to bob. Peter trying to get the new Rolls Royce of fishing boats. And you trying to tell me that it's easier, it's harder for someone who is rich? Who want to be poor? But then you're telling me, it ain't make it, I need you to make it make sense, Jesus. So Peter asked because he's transparent. Your transparency is actually what will bring people to you. I've seen it. I do it. I still do it. Why y'all think y'all here? Y'all ain't here just because of scripture. You here because I tell y'all my stuff. And I tell y'all my stuff because I'm called to. Because if I can tell y'all my stuff, my design, my desire is that no one ever feels alone in what they're going through. That they don't feel like they have screwed it up so badly that they can't recover. So y'all are here because of how I rock my transparency. Strong character. Mark 8, 29 through 33. Oh, I didn't realize we're, uh, I've been reading in the NIV, not the New Living, y'all. My bad. I'm switching to the New Living. I'm so sorry. So sorry. So sorry if I've messed up somebody. I didn't realize I hadn't switched over. Uh, okay. I said 29. Let's pick up at 27 so we get context. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the village near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Who's the first person that speaks up? Who's the first person that speaks up? But that's not really... No, no, no. I'm sorry. I wrote down the wrong scripture for that. We got to go over to, because Mark, hold on. My bad, guys. I wrote down the wrong scripture. Mark, hold on. We got to find, I forgot where it was in Matthew that, hold on. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Because Matthew covers a part of it 
that Mark doesn't. And I thought I wrote that down. I've screwed up. My bad. I think this is the first time I've done it. So give me credit. Y'all give me credit. Hold on. I forget where it is in Matthew. Did anybody find it for me? Does anybody know where it is in Matthew right now? Anybody know? Uh, anybody? Uh, mm, I forget where it is in Matthew's. Uh, Matthew. My bad, y'all. Usually, give me great, give me grace, because y'all know I'm usually on point. But on this one, let me double check myself. Okay. Yes. Go to my bad. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Um, verse. Uh, we'll pick it up at uh, 15. Okay. Matthew 16. Verse. Uh. Uh, what did I say? Four, what did I say? We'll put, pick it up at 15. My bad, guys. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Here's the part that I, I didn't want us to miss. 17, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. What letter are we on? This don't feel right, but keep going. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many things at the hands of the leader of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Here's where I wanted to get to. Now, we just saw how Jesus had just commended Peter. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. And then he goes in on Peter. So but then look at what happens from then on. Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many things. Twenty three, twenty two. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him, took him aside. Like, dude, this is Jesus. You just you just said he was the Messiah. And then you gonna think you're gonna pull Jesus to the side and reprimand him? That that now see now now see Peter, you're getting you're getting beside yourself. But watch this. For saying reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Look how fast that flipped. Peter went from, yo, divine download. Peter, the only way you could know that is because God showed it to you. Now, Jesus himself is saying, get thee behind me, Satan. To Peter. If you were Peter, wouldn't that crush you? Like, I would be crushed that Jesus actually called me Satan. And in this spiritual warfare that I have found myself in, I'm so more in tune to the machinations of Satan and how subtle he is 
and that how you're you are not necessarily demon possessed but you can be demon influenced and some of the things that you're not even recognizing that satan is just orchestrating to get to you so peter had a moment of being influenced and it was i'm willing to bet because we already know peter loves him some jesus so he's being influenced because he loves his jesus so much and jesus is telling him he gonna die look at what it says he began to tell them plainly he stopped sugarcoating that thing he began to tell them plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Plainly, that he was going to have to suffer a brutal death. And it will be at the hands of the elders, the people that they respected, that this community had in high regard, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He said he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. If I was Peter, I probably would not have heard, but on the third day, I'm going to be raised. I still would have been stuck at, wait a minute, hold, wait, when did, when did we plot twist? When did we turn this corner? Jesus, wait, we've been, we've been chilling. We've been laughing. We've been healing some folks. We've been out here having supper. You've been healing. You've been, you've been calming storms and whatnot. Not, and you gonna sit here and tell me that out the blue, you are gonna tell me plainly that you, you gonna get killed? I would have heard that. Okay, maybe it's just me, but Melissa, I'm sure you'd have listened to the whole thing. I'm, I'm sure, Lynn, you would have heard the whole thing. No, not TJ, though. I know me. I would have still been stuck on, you just said you're going to die. You're going to leave me. I, I can't even process that. So the way to, to do, mm, put it like this. Let me see if I can make it a little plainer. Someone you love has been diagnosed with cancer and your knee-jerk reaction is, Nope, not on my watch. We're going to fight this. I would imagine if my mother got diagnosed with cancer, God forbid, please. I would be like, mm-mm, you ain't leaving here. That's where Peter was. But from G, mm, okay, Holy Spirit, let me let me see if I can, because this, didn't, this, didn't, 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 this wasn't clear to me when I studied it this morning. So this is coming to me now. It's two different perspectives going here is what's happening. It's two different perspectives. We got Peter's perspective of hearing bad news about his boy, his Jesus. And he's trying to process the bad news. Mm, okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. It's the, pers when Satan comes in, it's the perspective of the person. So from Peter's perspective, Peter is hurting, like trying, he's been thrown a curveball. He's been punched in the gut. So he's not even realizing he's just processing his feelings. Now, Jesus' perspective. We already know Jesus knows he got to die a brutal death. He just said it. He's Jesus, so he already knows it. We've seen he wanted this cup to pass from him. And here comes somebody he loves telling him that he needs to disrupt the plan that he knows he's got to do. So from Jesus' perspective, that's a Satan move. Are you getting the difference? It's the perspective. Peter wasn't intentionally letting Satan use him. But from Jesus' perspective, in his humanity, mm, I haven't seen it this way. In Jesus' humanity, he saw the move going down. And not necessarily in his humanity seeing, it's Peter's response to the news he just was hit with. But you see how Satan subtly made it work that Satan just used that quick moment to come for Jesus.
through Peter. And so the other point that's coming to me now is we cannot just look at someone's surface reactions. We got to be mature enough to pull back the covers and see what's driving the reaction. Is Satan at work on a subtle level? And dare I say that but for it being Jesus, and we know he knows everything, that it could have been just a, if it was just two humans, it could have been just a misinterpretation. Have y'all ever had this? It's a misinterpretation of what's going on that Satan used just in that moment. What if Jesus wasn't Jesus and he just took and just booted Peter to the curb because he looked at Peter being driven by Satan trying to derail the plan. And all it was is Peter was hurt trying to process it. Let's just shift the perspective for a minute. If Jesus was human through and through, not being Jesus, you know, the son of God who's walking through in, in humanity, Satan would have worked that situation. Kind of like I told y'all the story when I wrote my first book, my cousin kept telling me and talking about just giving giving me the bad news of the negative of how hard it was, how hard it was. And I just had to kick it to the curb. We just saw how subtle Satan can move. But fortunately, that takes us to the R. Strong character. You're resilient. You know you're going to blow it. But God's grace covers your screw ups. So you get up. Peter's loyalty didn't falter. I'm sure his feelings were hurt. He may have had to go to the corner. Mm. He may have had to go to the corner and look at it from Jesus' perspective and process it from Jesus' perspective. But Peter didn't let that falter him. That was a temporary blank out, blackout. He missed it. And we repeatedly in scripture see Peter get up and up and up again and up again. Hi, Freddie. Hi, Wani Boo. Uh, Periscope, YouTube, hey y'all. We see him constantly get up because his strong character dictates he must be resilient. And the grace covered that moment of Peter's humanity for being hurt of what Jesus had just told him. I'm sure my mother doesn't mind me sharing this. Um, my mother lost her brother and my aunt and my uncle had been married for like 85 years or something, something crazy, I can't remember. And he had been sick. But he still also, you know, is that sick that, you know, I he still got years in him. And the the day that he died, um, I can't believe she got, she got a text from my aunt. And it just simply said, Wanda, Booger's gone. I'll talk to you later. We used to call, call my Uncle Booger. And when I talked to mom, you know, mom was hurt that the news came that way. It didn't come directly. But I had to explain to mom, you know, I had to walk her through her pain because she's in pain that, that it was done like that. Cause that's her, that was her brother. And so she's in pain, but then I had to shift perspective and go over to what my aunt was feeling that they went to bed together. And then she woke up and the man that she had been sleeping next to for 50 something years or however long it's been was gone. She not in her right mind. So we got to give her grace of how it was delivered. She was just dealt a blow. And once we looked at it like that, we understood. But in that moment, Satan could have worked it because my mother and my aunt, they close like this too. They talk every Sunday. So they, they close. So from my mother's perspective, yeah, that was cold to have to find out she'd lost her only brother like that. But at the same time, we had to look at who else was hurting in this. 
but my mom is resilient. My aunt is resilient. So there was no room for Satan really to run any further with this. But we got to be willing to give folks grace for their screw ups. Luke 5, 4 through 6. This is a review. We know about this story. So we'll pick it up at two, just in case. You know, okay, so one day as Jesus won, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, he stepped into Simon's boat, Peter, its owner, to push it out, the out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Five, master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. What we have consist, this is just one scripture. What we have consistently seen out of Peter's character is that Peter was obedient. It ain't deep. You simply obey God to the best of your ability. That's how we got, but if you say so, that was the first time. Second time Jesus told him to do that, he let it out. He let the nets go. We just read at the top of at top of the, the, the talk where I read about the temple tax and Jesus told him to go out, open the, uh, throw your line out, grab that first fish, open the, um, the fish's mouth and you're going to find a coin. How are you willing to bet? Peter obeyed that and got the coin. He did exactly what Jesus said. When Peter, when uh, Jesus told Peter and John to go set up for the Passover, they obeyed. When it, remember, when Jesus was like, uh, you're going to see a man. He's going to be carrying a pitcher of water. He's going to take you to a room. And then Peter was obedient. Okay, so Jesus, you said a pitcher of water. Got it. Not the grape Kool-Aid, but the pitcher of water. Okay, got it. Bam. You got that, Jesus. You got that. One of the most, the things that I love when people tell me is I got you. When I ask them to do something. And I know they got me. I love it. It's a it's an assurance and a peace that when I ask them to do something, like my bingo squad, I got you. When I told them I need this, I need it this way, this way, and this way. I got you, T. That's Peter with his obedience. Peter rocks obedience like nobody's business. You just simply obey God. But if you're like me, it may take you a minute. You got to ask 50. 50 million questions, maybe sometimes like, are you sure I'm supposed to do that? Can you send me a sign? And then there are times where God takes a tone and I know, okay, this ain't the time to ask questions. I, I better make that phone call. Lynn says it's hard, but it's true. You have to get, you have to, you have to give grace. Luke five, verse eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. He basically just bowed down to Jesus. Jump over to Luke 22. 62. Well, let's do 61. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's flash 
uh, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster, rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me, 62. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. He saw Jesus see him, fail him, deny him. And Peter, it's important to Peter what Jesus thinks of him. He has no qualms about recognizing where he's dirty and Jesus's cleanliness. Pop over to John 21, seven through eight. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. We talked about yesterday that Peter knew he had let Jesus down. He didn't recognize Jesus when he first appeared to him and Cephas, I think that's the man's name, on the road. He didn't recognize it until late and Jesus was gone. So his heart was heavy because I'm sure he wanted to apologize. He wanted to say something to his Jesus because it matters to him what Jesus thinks of him. So the point I'm making is Peter was needy and unashamed about it. Culture has made needy a bad word. But even Jesus needed his boys. So Lynn, why shouldn't we need our girls? Patrice, I need you. Tish, I need you. Andrea, I need you. Renee, I need you. Mom, I need you. Talena, I need you. I, 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 I'm trying to have all of this energy, Dolly, bottled up in me, Terrell. It's got to go somewhere, Dana. And I remember when I was doing in the Periscope days, I was like, I need y'all because I, I got I to gotta have somewhere to expend this energy. And I looked up needy. Needy is just as in a condition of need or want. Culture has made it bad. Dottie Peoples has a song that has a lot. I think it's Dottie Peoples. Y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Long as I got King Jesus. Long as I got King Jesus. Long as I got King Jesus. I don't need nobody else. That song is not true. Jesus' example is he needed his boys. Remember? He wanted them to stay watch. Because he was grieved. He could have gone over to the father by himself and prayed, but there's something about the comfort of the people that you love being there. Vicky Wine is okay. Thank you. Um, thanks, uh, Elsie. I was like, what is it? But it's like, how, how that song is just not true. That wasn't even the example that Jesus modeled. We need each other. When I left my ex-husband, I left him on November 9th and nobody had known I was living like this. You know, he, he abused me, he almost killed me several times. Nobody knew I was living like that. And I remember when I finally told my mother, I, I, I kept it, for, I left and I kept it from, I think about one or two weeks because I didn't want to worry about me because I was working 20 hour days because I was between shows and 
because I knew I still had to pay the mortgage on my house and then whatever I was going to do with the hotel or apartment, whatever I was going to do when I left. And so I couldn't afford to have a whole bunch of downtime between TV shows. And so as a result, I took on two shows. And so that caught nothing but the grace of God that I survived working 20 hour days for two weeks. And when I finally told her she wanted to jump on a plane and get to me. Hey, Lisa and Angel. She wanted to get on the plane and get to me. And I was like, nah, mom, I'm good. I'll be home for Christmas anyway. So, you know, whatever. And then one day it hit me. Why are you trying to be tough? You need your mommy. So I called her and I was like, no, nah, I need you. Can you get here? And the minute I laid eyes on her, I just collapsed in her arms because I had been holding it all in. Because I was needy. When the pressure of the HBCU bingo started, I called her on a Wednesday and I and she had asked me, do I want her to come? Did I want her to come? I was like, no, I'm a big girl. Mom. I got it. I got it. Knowing good and darn well. So I think it was a Wednesday. I called. I said, it dawned on me like, why are you trying to be tough? I called her and I said, she was in Walmart or somewhere. I said, okay, ma, I need you. She's like, oh, okay. When? She thought it was going to be like, you know, she had three or four days. I was like, uh, I'm going to get you a flight for tomorrow. Tomorrow? I needed my mommy. I have no qualms about telling people, my bingo squad, I need y'all. I can't do this. I will have complete meltdowns. But yes, it's our culture. And our society, Delmar, has made needy something to be ashamed of. Peter wasn't concerned about none of that. He needed that time with his Jesus to apologize, to make up for it. When Jesus moved, Peter moved. The night I left my ex-husband, I made one phone call, called my cousin. All I said was, cousin, I need you to get here. It's a blessing to have people that you need. That's love. How do we let society pervert that? That's love. When you know you are loved like that and you can just call somebody and say, Lisa, I need you. I am good for texting somebody. I need help. So let's lay that thing down. Now, needy is not a bad word. I need hugs. I need love. I need to be able to sit on the couch up under my friends and drive them crazy. Reneka used, and I didn't know this about myself until Reneka pointed out. Reneka used to tell me, Sunshine, you've been off stage for too long. You got to get, you got to, you got to get back on stage because you're, you're being cranky. Cause you need that energy from other people. And at first I would be like, mm. but then I had to realize, yeah, the energy of other people, the hugs of other people that fuels me. So get over that. You don't need nobody. It's biblical. We have walked that thing down. When you start feeling that thing to Lena rise up in, on you, when you feel that thing rise up in you, that is making you feel some kind of way because you don't want to appear needy. Go back to how scripture described Jesus the night he asked the disciples and then he was hurt because they kept falling asleep. This is Jesus. 
the son of God. He got all the power at his back. And he still was needy. So what makes you think there's something wrong with being needy? Lord, but the letdown, you won't know that until you ask. And then go back and listen to when I taught about who you're running with. And then I taught about who you're waiting with. Go listen to those. And you got to start evaluating your circle. Because if they let you down on a regular, because some, you know, we can't be there for everybody all the time. But if they let you down on the on the regular, you may need to interview a new for a new circle. Lashinda says, yes, I get exhausted trying to do everything. Yeah, Talena, go listen to who you're running with and then go listen to who you're waiting with. I broke that thing down through the help of the Holy Spirit, for sure. Patrice says, and sometimes learn the hard way that my arms are too short to box with God. Amen, amen, amen. All right, where were we? Uh, last scripture, Matthew. We're going back to Matthew 16, 13 through 29. So we've read that already, but this time I want to look at it from a different perspective. What did I say? Oh, 16. But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon of God, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Now I say to you, you did not learn this from any human being. I forgot to, I'm looking over here because I forgot to tell YouTube. I mean, I forgot to tell Instagram to go over to YouTube. Um, now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock. Peter was in tune to God. Peter listened to God. That's how he got it. Jesus just said it. And as a result of him being so connected, he got prophesied to. Jesus spoke into his life. Now I say that to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And he saw, and upon this rock, Peter, you the rock, Peter, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And he's given it to, it's just a gift. And I will give you the kingdom. I will give you to the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He ain't talking to nobody else. He's talking to the one that got the insight from God of who he really was. None of the other disciples said anything. Whatever you forbid on earth. Come on now, do you hear the power in that statement? Whatever you forbid on earth, Peter, you speak it, it's going to be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit, whatever, that is so much power he just gave him, but he didn't give it to him before he was sure that Peter could hear from God. Catch that. He didn't give it to him until he was sure. You can't give that kind of power to a baby Christian. Because then they're going to use it wrong. 
but he gave Peter the keys because Peter demonstrated, I'm connected. Pop over to John 6 and 66. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. When it says disciples there, they're talking about the crowds, the people that were listening to, to Jesus, not his 12. Because then 67 says, then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Who speaks up? Peter. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe. Then I love the influence here. Peter is speaking for the group. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. That leads me to the final letter, G. Strong character is God-driven. Peter, in no uncertain terms, rocked hard for God's son. And so should we, if we want strong character. Peter got the power when Jesus was sure he could hear from God. That's how he got the power. So if we want strong character like Peter, we gotta be solid in our consistency and it has to be count on it like clockwork. We have to be transparent because our transparency comes out and it resonates with others and draws them to you. We gotta be resilient. Resilience is my favorite word. It's, my, it's pretty much probably my life motto that I've resolved that if it don't kill me and stop my breath, I'm making a comeback. I'm securing God's grace for me I'm securing his love for me. So you better kill me if you really want me to stay down. I may stay down a long time. Don't get me twisted. But at some point, my resilience muscle is going to kick in and I'm getting back up because God's grace covers all of my screw ups. Strong character requires you to be obedient. This one ain't deep. You simply obey God to the best of your ability. Strong character dictates you be needy and unashamed about it. Rock your neediness. And have the perspective that for people who want to shame you for being needy, that actually means they're insecure. You're the secure one because you recognize your humanity. And you recognize that that's how Jesus got down. If we're supposed to live a life like Jesus, that's how he got down. And finally, the G. Strong character requires you to be God-driven. It requires you to be God-driven not goal-driven, God-driven. Your only goal 
is to please God. Melissa says she likes, she likes rock your neediness. Yep, rock it. So that's my heart. Was that useful? Was that useful? I hope so, because I studied for five hours before God gave, turned the corner to that. <laughs> this is fun. I'm really just really, truly blown away of how God shows up. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. You did it again. You never cease to amaze me. Even just how I arrived to where we end up studying. I thank you, Lord, that the tea lights willingly take the ride with me. And they give me grace through it. I don't know where we're going, God. I don't know how this ends up. I don't know what any of this looks like. But I'm having a blast. <laughs> I can't recall, God, the last time I just trusted you like this. No anxiety, no nervousness, just full confidence that you're going to show up. So it's my prayer, Lord, that as the tea lights are watching this, that is encouraging them, it's inspiring them to know that when their assignment comes and it requires them to just trust you day by day for you to actually deliver, that they can remember this. And that if you did it for me, if you did it for TJ, then God, you got to do it for, for me. I thank you, Lord, that we've reached day 14 and I remember can't even see him past day one and here we are two weeks later. Haven't had a strong track record with you of you showing up powerfully each night with different aspects of the same scripture that lets us know just how deep and vast your word is. And there's so many mysteries to behold if we just dig in and spend the time with you, you will show up and show us more. God, I'm seeing stuff of scriptures I've known my whole life and I'm looking at it from a fresh perspective from your eyes and it's just mag freaking magnificent. I'm enjoying it, Lord God. So I thank you for this assignment. And so as we close out the week, Lord God, I thank you for the hearts of the tea lights. And I pray, Lord, that you deal with any desire, any need that they have, Lord, that hasn't been met yet. I pray, Lord, that you deal with the need that they hadn't even spoken. And I pray, Lord, that you deal with the need that they don't even know that they need. Just cover them just like P Jesus covered Peter with the drachma and the fish. It was done. We love you, dear God. And we'll always give you the praise and the worship because you so deserve it and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. All right, yo, let's count it down. Don't forget tomorrow is not a teaching day from me. It's a teaching day from you guys. It's our spill the tea session, number two. 
So I'm looking forward to those of you, right? That are gonna come on camera, right? Because if not, I'm sticking to what I believe I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to show up to moderate. So I need to hear the takeaways from the week. Y'all have had all week to be shy and not be on camera. And like, I am feeling like it. I'm in my pajamas with my bonnet. You have enough time to know that tomorrow I expect to see you guys on camera, okay? To share your takeaways. And hopefully we have more people willing to share the takeaways than we'll have time for. But know that right now, I don't have nothing. I don't plan on having nothing unless God tells me. So in 10, nine, Audrey says, can't wait, I'll be on. <laughs> Nija says, I'll be here with bells on. Um, eight, seven, Tish, I'm still drinking the tea that you bought for me. I love this tea, that throat care tea. I love it. Um, Lashenda says, I'll be at work. It's okay. I'm talking to the people that they know. Can't be hiding on Saturdays. Not that I need a break, but I want a break. And I want to hear from you guys. This is, I told y'all last week, that kind of stuff fuels me of knowing that at least I matter and I'm making a difference. Okay. Um, seven, six. Love you too, Lashenda. Five, four, three, two. Yay, you'll be watching. Yes, 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 yes. One. Mm -hmm. Night, night, y'all. I'll see you tomorrow for day 15. Okay, bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully, you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now. See y'all later.